0: For more information, follow us on Facebook and Instagram at cstone.students or text drive to 94,000. Hope you enjoy the message. What's up? It's been like forever since I've seen some of you. It's been two weeks, but for some of you, I wish it were a little longer. For some of you, it was two weeks too long. I'll let you figure it out. Hi. Zach's in the house. What's up, Zach? It's like you've come back to your first love. How's it feel? How was college? What's your best piece of advice to give us to attend college during a pandemic? (laughs) Save your laundry for your mom. Yes. Yes. Go to school close enough to where your mom can still do your laundry. Amen. That's all we got tonight. We'll see you next. I'm just kidding. Um, How many of you do your own laundry? Just, I'm curious. How many of you know how to do your laundry, but you don't do your laundry? And by that, like, don't put your hand up, and if you did it yourself, all your clothes would shrink. Like, you can leave your hands down. Um, I learned how to do my own laundry at the age of 12, just in case you were wondering. Um, I'm sure you didn't care, because that's a pointless thing to tell you. But if you don't know how to do your laundry, you should probably learn at some point, so you're not like Zach and bringing your mom gifts from college. So... I spend most of my life trying to keep my expectations about most things extremely low. Like, I'm not trying to sound super depressing, but sometimes I live by this saying. The happiest and healthiest people are those whose expectations meet reality. The happiest and healthiest people are those whose expectations meet reality, which basically just means if you keep your expectations low, you are more likely to have them met. And when that happens, you are more likely to be happy than if your expectations were high and you won't be disappointed all the time. But here's the thing. There's one thing in my life, one area where I find it nearly impossible to live by this philosophy, and that area is Christmas. You see, I want to have low expectations for Christmas, but there is something about the season where I just can't do it, whether it's Justin Bieber's The Little Drummer Boy, which is probably the best rendition of that song ever made. If you don't agree, we can fight in the parking lot after church tonight. Like, that's how passionate, the rest of the album is trash, but that song, because Busta Rhymes came out of nowhere. How many of you even know who Busta Rhymes is? Thank you. All the adults sitting in the back of the room, and then like you four gamers on this row, understand. I don't don't go look up Buster Rhymes. Don't do that. Uh, I'll lose my job. It's going to be great. Um, But every year at Christmas time, I simply want it to be the best Christmas ever. My expectations about what I want to have and what I want it to feel like at Christmas are pretty much like a movie. It's not that I expect nothing, it's just that I don't expect much, kind of like this Christmas tree. This Christmas tree, I mean, there's nothing too exciting about it. Like the bottom limb is looking like it's about to fall off. Um, Unlike Morgan's Christmas tree at home, it probably costs 25 bucks compared to their... You should show them a picture of your Christmas tree. Their Christmas tree probably costs more than my entire outfit I'm wearing right now. We'll save that story for another day. Like, their Christmas tree looks like it's out of a Hallmark movie. That's how great it is. And I personally think the reason Morgan didn't see the light bulb is because Shelby's a little bit taller than him. So when he said, when she said it was at eye level, it was at her eye level, not his eye level. But that's a story for another day. He keeps saying he's taller than her. I don't believe it. You see, this Christmas tree is not like the Rockefeller Christmas tree, which if you saw pictures of it when they were driving it into New York, it looked terrible. But then if you watched a Christmas spectacular or the lighting of the New York City Christmas tree this past week, it looked amazing. It's not lit up like Times Square. Anyone here ever been to Times Square? It's easily one of my favorite and one of my least favorite places all at the same time. Here's a word of advice. If you ever go to Times Square post-pandemic and people run up to you wearing costumes and they say, picture, picture, and you take a picture with them, you then have to pay them $50. Just, I don't know, I might have learned that from personal experience. The guy was dressed like Spider-Man, and then there was a Superman, and then there was a Batman, and if you know anything about my wife, she's obsessed with Batman. She's like, we gotta take a picture. Then we did, and then the guy charged us 50 bucks. It was great. Merry Christmas, everyone. And so, while this tree is not the best it's fine. I'm not extremely disappointed because I love Christmas. Christmas has the power over me where I just want to have all the feels. I want to have all the food, all the decorations, all the sentimental movies, all the friends, all of the family, all of the stuff that the Christmas season could possibly offer, including the song "Christmas Shoes." If you know anything about that song, it's a heart hugger. I want it all. I want every Christmas, including the one that we're about to celebrate, that's going to look a little different than Christmases have in the past. I want it to be the best Christmas ever. The rest of the year, you might call me Mr. Low Expectations, but at this time of the year, I am Buddy the Elf, which is also one of the best movies ever. If you don't agree with that, you could just leave and never come back. Don't do that. I'm just kidding. Uh, Were you about to leave? (laughs) Wow. Like, I I don't know if we can be friends anymore. It's, oh, you're going to fight me. I'm scared. You might actually win. See, maybe you feel this way too. Your family hasn't gone five minutes without arguing in 10 years, but at Christmas, you imagine sitting around the living room with the perfect going, listening to Christmas music, drinking hot chocolate, and everyone smiling. Or maybe any other time of the year, you are totally fine being single, like all my single ladies, where you at? You don't have to raise your hand. That's a little awkward. But at Christmas, you go all Hallmark movie. You daydream about your crush showing up at your doorstep on Christmas Eve with the present so perfect, you couldn't have asked for anything better you see something about Christmas makes us dream big it raises our expectations and it helps us think of and dream of how we can have the best Christmas ever but you see our expectations are hardly ever met at Christmas are they I can't tell you the last time me and my family sat in a living room with a fireplace, drinking hot chocolate, listening to Christmas music, and all loving each other. You see, something is bound to disappoint us, and because we expect so much, the disappointment hurts that much more, which is why I like, I said at the beginning, I like to keep my expectations and all of my life extremely low. Think about it. If you think your team is going to lose the football game, and then they lose, it's easier to take the loss if you were convinced they were going. It's harder to take the loss if you were convinced they were going to win. If you are waiting for your grades to show up at the end of the semester and you think you're going to get a low C in English or biology, think how much better. It is when that low B comes dancing into your house, like Merry Christmas to me. Or if you're anything like my brother, you take, this is pre, everyone looking at grades online, he would take a black ink pen and change his low C to a B. If you want to know how to do that, I can give you his phone number, he can tell you how to cheat the system. My mom always found out, because at our school, if you had a low C, your parents had to sign it and he always forget that. Or if you think the vacation time with your family is going to be full of frustration and fighting 100% of the time, and all you're going to do is wishing that you were with your friends, but then it turns out the fighting and the frustration is only 30% of the time, then you are presently surprised at how enjoyable the time with your family has turned out to be. Here's some more simple examples. Will they say yes if you ask them out? I'm prepared for them to say no. Will I make the team? Probably not, but I'm looking forward to being the team managers. Any team managers in the room, shout out to you for carrying all the sweaty stuff. Will I live a long life and be incredibly wealthy? I'm guessing climate change and global pandemics will take me out by the time I'm 35. Anyone else feel that? I do, because I'm a few years away from that. You see how great it is to not expect too much? You know, even if you don't realize it, I bet you do the same thing in some areas of your life, because some of you are sitting there going, man, TiVo's really depressing, really cute. Thanks, Dylan. Um, Or maybe you're not listening currently because you're talking to the person next to you. I don't know. just saying. But maybe you are a totally optimist when it comes to your dating life. You are sure that everyone loves you. Or maybe you're super confident in your athletic ability. I mean, there is no question you'll make varsity as a freshman. But when it comes to your areas of faith in your life, I bet you, like a lot of us, you keep your expectations low. We might pray, but we rarely do But rarely rarely do we think God will do exactly what we're asking for. We would say we have faith, but the truth is we're just not sure God is going to show up and act the way that we think he should. Because God never seems to do what we expect of him to do. And when that happens over and over and over again, eventually it just becomes easier to stop expecting too much from God. And what does it look like to lower our expectations for God, you might be asking yourself? I mean, we stop praying because we believe God either can't or he won't do anything that we ask him. We lose interest in anything faith-related because God seems distant, far away, and uncaring. We think God is weak, and we assume he's unable to do anything big or powerful, We think God is uninterested. He doesn't know or care anything about our lives, so why bother telling him about it or expecting him to do anything in our lives? I don't know about you, but I think I could raise my hand and say I've been there. I've said or done most of those things. You see, we don't always do it on purpose. We usually just kind of become this way. And then if God does answer our prayer, if he does show up, if he does do the thing that we're asking him to do, great is a pleasant surprise. But we set our expectations low, that way we don't make the big mistake of him not showing up. I don't know about you, but the kind of God, that kind of God doesn't sound like something that is worth celebrating at Christmas. But what if we got them all wrong? What if we have the wrong way of looking at it? What if what we're missing is a better way of looking at him, a better point to look at, a more realistic, healthier way to see God in our everyday life? That if we really understood it, it would actually change the way we think of it and really make it the best Christmas ever. So what's the point? What is good, like really good? The good news is we aren't the first one to have expectations of God and have them not met. In fact, the Christmas story, the story that we're celebrating tonight, the story that we're celebrating all December, didn't happen at all like people expected. That might sound strange to you because it's a story that's been shared for over 2,000 years. They, were imagining God to sh- they weren't imagining God was going to send his son the way that it all happened. But before we go any further, let me give you a refresher about the details of the Christmas story itself. So in the story, you have a lady or a woman named Mary, Mary, the mother of Jesus, who was young, pregnant. She was a Jewish teenager, and she was not yet married. She and Joseph, the man that she was engaged to be married to, did not have a lot of money and were living in a land occupied by the Roman Empire at the time. At the start of the story, the Roman government had decided that they wanted to count every single person that was under their rule. So every family had to pack up all of their stuff and go back to the town that they were born in. Imagine... For those of you who weren't born in the great city of Marion, if you had to pack up everything you had and drive back or walk back to where you came from, just because the government wanted to count you. So every family was told to go to the town which they were originally from to be counted. So Mary, who was pregnant, has to get on a donkey. Anyone ever seen a donkey, Ridden a donkey? They're not the most exciting animals out there. Donkey, 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 Okay, how long are we going to do that? <laughs> so Mary, who was pregnant, had to get on a donkey and make a hot and dry and miserable trip to get to the town where Joseph's family came from. Sounds awful, right? But don't worry, that's not all. It gets a lot worse. Once they get to Bethlehem, their destination, all the hotels are full. You see, Joseph forgot to book an Airbnb or get on Hotels.com. That's a good joke, right? I'm becoming more and more cheesy every time I get on stage. It's great. And now Mary isn't just super pregnant and tired and uncomfortable. Now she has nowhere to sleep. And then, just because there wasn't enough going wrong, Mary goes into labor I don't know if you've ever been around someone when they've gone into labor. It's not, if you're a guy, a fun experience. I remember the day that Simeon was born. Simeon was born on April 2nd, and I looked at my wife, who they kept saying he was going to come early. He was going to come early. His actual due date was, I think, April 6th. Um, And I said, you better not have this kid on April Fool's Day. That would be the worst. Anyone in here birthday on April Fool's Day? No. Okay. So this won't offend anyone. I said, that will be the worst birthday ever. Like just imagine being born on April Fool's Day and every time you go to get a present, every time someone tells you happy birthday, there's a joke involved with it. And she looked at me. and She said, well, you do know I can't control when this kid decides to enter the world. I was like, yeah. But the moment that she went into labor, the entire thing shifted. She went into labor on April 1st, but Thank the Lord Simeon wasn't born until April the 2nd. You see, the baby was coming. Mary was in labor here now, far away from home, far away from everything that she knew with no bed to sleep in or to have a baby in. So now, I know things are a little different 2,000 years ago. I know there was a different culture for that time and place, but I can promise you this. It doesn't matter what culture you are from or what time you are living in, this situation was more or less than ideal. Actually, it stunk. It literally stunk because Joseph, in his desperation to find a place for Mary to have this baby, the only thing that he could find was a barn, like a barn with animals, and the smell that comes with all of those animals. And that's where they ended up. That's where Mary had her first child. Away from her family, away from her home, away from anything comfortable. She had her baby, just her and Joseph, completely alone. And no one expected it. In fact, if I had been Mary or Joseph, I would have been much more likely to think that God is distant, that God is mad at us, God has forgotten us, God is punishing us, God has abandoned us, or flat out, God is silent. Because if God doesn't do what we think he should, if God doesn't behave like we think he should, then it makes sense to assume we've done something wrong or that God isn't who we thought he was. In fact, chances are, there were a lot of people who were already who had already thought those things about God long before he sent his son to be born in a barn. Because for hundreds of years, he had stopped, he had been silent. There was no prophets with messages from God. There were no signs of being freed from the empire that ruined them or ruled them. There were no indications that God even cared about them. Let alone that he was going to do anything about their current situation But all appearances, considering expectations and considering reality, God was nowhere to be found. You see, their expectations were that God was powerful, like a military leader taking the land back. God was obvious, showing up in a palace or in a wealthy family. God was predictable, doing what the people wanted if they followed the rules or God was exactly like they expected him to be, arriving like they thought and with messages they wanted to hear. But for all the expectations they had about God, it turns out they missed the one that mattered the most. It wasn't that God had let them down, which would have made him undependable or weak or not worth following. It was that they missed who he really was And expected something completely different than who God has always been. And who was God? What was God like? Well, an angel showed up to tell Joseph exactly what God was like. Exactly what God was going to be like when he arrived. The angel said this in the book of Matthew chapter 1, verse 21. She will give birth to a son. And if you give him the name Jesus, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophets. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. You see, they expected a ruler. They expected a warrior. They expected someone to punish their enemy. They expected a king. They expected someone to take charge. And they were disappointed because their expectations did not meet their reality. And, Ben, you guys can go ahead and make your way back to the stage. But the truth is this. They got something far better than a warrior or a ruler or a punisher of their enemies, a king, He wasn't born in a palace, but he was born in a barn, meaning he was not an out-of-reach ruler. He was an accessible God that was in reach of them. God with them was an idea they didn't expect, but it was an idea that changed everything. God with us means no matter what, we are never alone. No matter our behavior, no matter our good days, or our bad days, no matter our family situation or our financial status, no matter what we've done that we are proud of or what we have done that we are ashamed of. So what I want you to remember is this, no matter what, he is a God who is with us. Yesterday, today, tomorrow, it started with Christmas. It continues to be true because Jesus' death on the cross for your sins, for my sins, for everything I've ever done wrong, for everything you've ever th- done wrong, for everything we'll ever do wrong. His resurrection, not only did he die, but he came back to life to prove that he ruled the world. And his leaving the Holy Spirit to be with us forever is that inner voice that helps us make decisions in our day to day lives. In other words, the Spirit of God lives in us as a reminder that we are never alone. This concept can be extremely hard for some of you to comprehend. I get it. I've been there. Today is December 6th, which to most of you means nothing. To me, it means that today would be the day that my little sister would have been eight years old. It's hard to imagine that eight years ago today, I was peering through a hospital window looking at a little baby that was born extremely prematurely living in an incubator, being kept alive by machines. It was eight years ago that I was driving back and forth from Tuscaloosa to Huntsville, Alabama, to be with my family during this time where my sister didn't live that long. And I remember driving back and forth, and I remember these expectations that I set up for God. There were people all across the country telling us that they were praying for us. And I set this expectation extremely high that my sister was going to live, but she didn't. The reality was a little different than the expectation that I walked into the situation with. You see, no matter what I prayed or what people around us prayed, no matter how bad we wanted Lauren Marie to live, she didn't. You see, for Mary and Joseph, for the people awaiting Jesus, for me or for you, it was like for the first time, the lights came on. When you think of God with us, it changes everything. It means no matter your reality, God is with you in it. Your family may seem extremely or super dysfunctional. God is with you. Your dating life isn't what you want it to be. God is with you. Your failing geometry, as funny as that sounds, God is with you. You didn't get the part you wanted in the play or the position you wanted on the team God is with you. Or maybe you're scared about what's happening in the world right now. Whether it's social justice or injustice, racial tension or the virus that's ravaging our world. God is with you. Or maybe you're like I was. You might be struggling with a loss of someone in your life. I don't think that time will heal all wounds. People say that all the time. It's been eight years and I feel extremely strong emotions as I did eight years ago. And for some of you, you feel that same way around the holiday season because it reminds you of someone in your life that is no longer there. In other words, you are not in this alone. You aren't left to figure out life and scary stuff and annoying stuff and the stuff that you worry about by yourself. You have God with you. That was probably one of the most life-altering things that someone told me eight years ago. That no matter what happened, no matter the pain that I felt, no matter the dysfunction that was happening around me, and no matter how distant I felt from God, that God was with me no matter what. You see, Jesus changed the way that we saw God. He gave us a new way to understand God and to relate to him. In fact, in John chapter 8, verse 12, Jesus says this about himself. He says, I am the light of the world. You see, light helps us see what you didn't see before, kind of like this Christmas tree here. We intentionally turned off the lights in the room and turned on this Christmas tree. I'm a little biased, but I love white lights on Christmas trees. It's something about the purity of a white light on a tree that resonates through a dark room that reminds me that Jesus is the light of the world, that no matter what I'm going through, no matter if I'm having a good day or a bad day, no matter if you're coming from a broken home situation or everything in your home feels perfectly fine. No matter if you know someone that's been affected by the virus or you know no one, I look at this Christmas tree without its ornaments, without its ribbons, without its star on top or an angel on top, with its white lights, and it reminds me of the promises that are found in Scripture that Jesus is the light of the world that he will never leave me. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you, which is just a big word that says he will never do you wrong. And while I don't completely understand why good things hap- or bad things happen to good people, and I don't completely understand the inner workings of the world, I know that promise to be true, that even on my toughest days, I know that God will never leave me Nor forsake me. You see, just like this Christmas tree helps us see clearly, just like the lights give this Christmas tree a little more life, that is exactly what Jesus did for you and for me with God. The light helps us know what to expect from God and who He is, and that is, He is the good news. So you might be sitting there and asking, so what? God is with me, what can I do with that? Well, for you, it might just mean one thing. Find one way this week to keep reminding yourself that God is with you. Maybe it's writing a note in your phone or setting a reminder on your phone to just pop up and let you know that God is with you. Maybe it's asking your small group leader or your tribe leader or a trusted friend Or an adult in your life to remind you of that? Or maybe you've known that God is with you, and you need to try to remind someone else this week that God is with them. Here's the thing. When you know God is with you, and you know he's promised never to leave, it's far more difficult to be disappointed in God. No matter how low you lower your expectations, you have the baseline that God is with you and he will never leave you. So while eight years ago was one of the most exciting and most tragic moments in my life, one truth never disappeared. That was the truth that God was with me. Because he promised that he will Is a promise that he will never break. You see, Christmas is the best time to take a second look at the way we see Jesus, the way we see ourselves and the people that are around us, to let Jesus shine a light on this amazing promise. That the God of the universe that created everything, the God of the universe that knows every hair on your head, the God of the universe that's seen every tear that you've cried, came down to earth to show you that he loves you. He's born in not the most ideal situations to show that he loves you. To show you that he cares about you and to show you that he is with you no matter what. So I don't know how you feel about this holiday season. For me, it's a love-hate relationship. I hate it because of the emotions that come with it, but I love it because of the promise that it represents. That the creator of the world was born as a baby. To ultimately grow up and die for my sins, for my right to stand on this stage and talk. The creator of the universe that created me out of nothing, that created the first human out of dust, that created everything that you see around us put all of that aside to be a baby, to be dependent on his mother and father, it gives me goosebumps to think about. That someone with so much power would choose to lay it down so that I could spend eternity with God forever. So if you'll bow your heads and close your eyes, I never want a week to go by where we don't acknowledge the fact of what Jesus did for us on the cross. For some of you in this room, that means that for the first time today, you need to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. For some of you, you need to re-acknowledge that Jesus is in control of your life. You need to give up the temporary control that you took back from him. I also think there are people in the room that don't really like this holiday season because of the emotions and the baggage that come along with it, and I want you to know that you are not alone. No matter what your home life is like, no matter what your personal situations, what your past is like, Jesus wants to meet you right where you are. So I'm gonna pray this prayer and then at the end, if you wanna talk to a tribe leader or talk to me, we'll be hanging around for you to talk to. But if you feel like you need to talk, I want you to not leave without doing that. But let me pray for you. God, I just thank you for everything that you do. I thank you for the grand design of the earth that you've created, humans that you literally created from dust. I thank you that years upon years ago, you set this whole thing into motion, knowing that it wasn't going to be perfect. You created every person that's listening with a purpose knowing that we were going to screw up, we were going to mess up, we weren't gonna get it right all the time, yet you chose to send your son as a baby at Christmas to ultimately die for the sins that I will commit or have committed, that my friends in this room or listening have committed or will commit, knowing that there would be people on this earth that would turn their back to him, that would mock him, that would beat him, that would ultimately put him to death. You chose to sacrifice him anyway for us. God, I pray as we enter this holiday season, even though it looks completely different than any of us would have hoped for or imagined, that you will remind us of the truth that you and your son and the Holy Spirit are with us. No matter if we're having a good day or a bad day, the ups or the downs, you are with us. Emmanuel, God with us. So, God, I pray that as we get ready to go back into worship, as we get ready to leave this place, that you'll just keep bringing to mind that your Son is with us. In everything that we do, that we will pause and acknowledge you. The way that we talk, in the way that we interact with people in this holiday season, in the way that we interact with you. Thank you for your son. We pray all of these things in his name. Amen.